It's time for another great episode of the Home for All podcast. I'm your host, ACARS Communications Director, Kelly Moss, and I'm glad that you're back for yet another amazing episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, we're honoring Black History Month with an episode that's going to be crazy good. Today's guests have been breaking down barriers for years and years, and I'm excited to have them both here with us. Our guests are the current 2023 ACAR president, Akil Hamid, and the 1986 president of what is now known as ACAR, Mr. J. Everett Pruitt. Mr. Pruitt was the very first African-American president of the association, and we're going to talk about all of his experiences in that position. So like we always say, grab your coffee and your earbuds and make this spot your home for the next 20 or so minutes. We're happy that you're here. Our Home for All podcast is a bi-weekly production where we will host interviews, facilitate conversations, and talk about what's happening in the world of real estate. We'll introduce you to the important people in your community and help you learn how to grow your real estate-related business. This is an adult show and some adult language might occasionally creep into the conversation. So let's move forward and find out what makes Northeast Ohio the best home for all. Well, hello to you both and welcome to the podcast. I am so honored to have you both here in the ACAR studio today. So let's start by talking a little bit about each of your journeys. Um, Mr. Pruitt, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in the real estate industry? Like kind of how did that happen? How did how did you come to be where you are today? Well, you know, I started out in corporate America and uh one of my jobs was manager of the international division for White Motors. And my father always wanted me to be in real estate. And so to appease him, I took some real estate courses. <laughs> so I could just tell him, Dad, I, I'm not feeling it, right? But um, I took an appraisal course. And there was a, um, the professor uh, pulled me aside later, uh, George Mell. And he said, Everett, he says, you need to think about becoming an appraiser because you're the only one that understands what I'm talking about. So I said, okay. I, and I wasn't, you know, corporate America wasn't my stake. I could, I, I figured that out. So I went to my father and I said, uh, dad, I said, if we can get more into the appraisal business, he says, I'll work with you. So he said, fine. So I took a at that time, a $2,000 cut, which is like about 20% of the salary I was making. And um, our first client was Quincy Savings and Loan back in the day, uh, all black um, uh, savings and loan company. And then we branched out and uh, he said, uh, you need to join a couple of organizations. And one was the, um, the, the minority organization and one was KBOR. And okay. so I did. And I started being recruited for different positions. Oh, the tap on the shoulder. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I think maybe about four or five of the, uh, I, I chaired about four or five of the committees. And finally, uh, Jack Brayman, Mary Jane Bayless, and a few others came to me and said, Everett, said, we think you make a good president. 
I said, no. Nah. I said, <laughs> I'm not going there. I said, I, I, I've seen uh, what what is required, the times required, and, and I said, I, I don't have that. So Jack came to me again, and he said, uh, Everett, we really want you to reconsider. He said, uh, think about all the young black children that would see you as head of this organization. And it was all downhill from there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that was, you were president in 1986? 86, yes. Okay, so that's been a little while. Okay, so President Hamid, do you want to talk a little bit about your journey through from where you started to how you got here right now? Absolutely. So, uh, like my uh, senior president over here, I, uh, too, started in corporate America. And um, after graduating, I went to uh, Florida A&M. University in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, and I ended up landing a career initially as a buyer for Neiman Marcus in uh, their men's polo, purple label, and men's outerwear division. And so uh, myself, uh, we had a senior buyer and uh, two office assistants. We were responsible to outfit uh, 32 department stores um, with all of those uh, vendors. And uh, that was, I think I was in that role for maybe about three years and then September 11th happened. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, And so retail took a hit and I um, was, you know, last in, first out, right? And so uh, we uh, were part of the downsize in uh, Neiman Marcus at that particular time. I was living in Dallas, working at their corporate offices, and uh, I had been gone away from home for some time. And I always knew that I wanted to come back to Cleveland so that, and I'm, I'm a believer of uh, building communities and coming back to, you know, where your base is. And so I thought at that time, instead of maybe looking for another job or um, going, you know, into another industry, maybe I'll come back home. And I did that, you know, and so uh, it just kind of uh, tailspin. I, I ended up getting married. Uh, when I got back home to a high school friend and uh, she and I thought it would be good to purchase real estate as passive income. And if we could do that, we could really set ourselves up for the future. Of course, um, with our children and a number of things that we thought that that would be the best option. And so we started buying real estate. I think uh, I had purchased uh a six suite building. I purchased uh, about seven duplex homes and we had a very nice real estate portfolio as a young 24, 25 year old couple. Wow, that's amazing. And um, we, you know, we just, we worked it. But as as I started doing that, I uh, got a lot of inquiries from tenants, right? And so people that are looking to move and and through that my places were always rented and so my financial advisor had recommended he said well Akil why don't you consider getting your real estate license because maybe what you could do is build a career around that since you you all's uh, portfolio have have done uh, so well and so I looked into it and I, I did just that I um went through training at Realty One at that particular time. Uh, We had phenomenal trainers. 
And I, I, I just locked in. Um, I, I became a member of the Cleveland Realtors Association, now the Greater, Cle- Greater uh, Cleveland Realtors Association. But I started off uh, just going to the meetings and I'm, I'm just one that, you know, I ask a lot of questions. So, again, I was tapped. And <laughs> the next thing I know, I was the parliamentarian. The next cycle, I was third vice president. And then I moved all the way through the ranks until um, I served uh, as president of that association and then uh, moved into the state presidency of the Ohio Realtors. And uh, while there, I realized that, um, you know, we're creatures of our own habits. We you know, we we convene together. We talk about the the struggles and the things that we need to do as a minority community. And I I looked at all the things that I have done in my own career, starting all the way back uh, as as um, being part of Shaker Schools, being integrated as a child. Right. And I said, you know what, I'm. The person that I am, I'm a person that I feel I can get along with the majority. Um, I can I think I'm a person that I can bring people together. And so I thought, well, instead of maybe running up the national chain on the realtor side, maybe I can bring my voice to the realtors. Right. And be um, a little bit more impactful. And so I did that. I, I jumped over. Um, right after my presidency and got involved in committee on committee levels. And um, I, I, I actually went uh, and applied for the board. I ran and I lost my first year. Which is and, so happens so many times for folks mm-hmm. the first time out. It right. does, you know, and uh, it's daunting for for some, you know, and sure. it was. And I, and I remember Sandy giving me a call at that time and she says, Akil, listen, um, we want you on the board. We just have to figure figure it out because, you know, it's it's hard, you know, as, as a minority company, a small company, you know, um, you know, at that time, I think I had maybe 18 agents um, and you don't you don't have the, the larger support sure. to be able to cast those votes right for you. And um, we found a great way for me to get into that seat, which was through um, the commercial division, which is the line of business that I'm in. Right. And so I took um, the next year I ran for the commercial seat. And here I am today. President. Yeah. Of ACAR. <laughs> and uh, I'd be remiss by not saying congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Absolutely. Well, see, and you know, I and and I, so I'm just going to say right now, I'm just honored to be in the room with the both of you because I think it's an amazing journey. Both both of your journeys have been just absolutely amazing, and it's just cool to just sit and listen. <laughs> so, Mr. Pruitt, you were the first African American president of the Board of Realtors, which was then KBOR. Okay, can you talk a little bit about? how things were back then for you um you know what was the market like and how how did it feel making such a significant step in leadership you know it's funny i one of the uh my elder uh minority brokers asked me one time he says uh when i had attained that position he says "Uh, effort aren't you scared you know being in front of all those people 
I said, Mr. Ruffin, it's fine. I said, it's fine. I said, you know, I said, uh, I got a vision. And uh, after being so hesitant, you know, when I jumped into it, I said, okay, here are the things that have to be done. And I had everybody so busy during my term, um, I had no problems. <laughs> That's a good thing, though, because you, you kind of knew what you wanted to do and you, you worked your plan. Right. 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 So. Right. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, um, I think two years prior, we had established a five-year uh, plan. Mm -hmm. And by the time it got to my um, um, tenure, we had accomplished like almost 80 to 90 percent of that plan wow. in a three year period. That's impressive. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was a process. But, you know, I, I came out of the Army. I was a, I was an officer in the Army. Awesome. So, you know, leadership wasn't uh, something that uh, I hadn't done before. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what was the market like? Because I, I seem to remember the 80s, there was a huge, the, the interest rates were like right, right, super right. high then. Right? Yeah. Actually, we lost a lot of members. Um, I think uh, <laughs> we had probably more members during my tenure than they did you know, in subsequent sure. tenures, um, I think we were up to about 6,000, 6,500 members at that wow, time. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, but it did start to decline because of the market. Yeah, because that the, I think the 80s were, I, I seem to remember my parents wanting to move like when I was graduating high school. And I'm like, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> we have one year left. You can move after <laughs> I'm done. Um, but I remember, I just, I seem to remember the interest rate being the, the, mm -hmm. the detrimental thing back then. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it slowed down everything. Yeah. So I expect that that you know you did you guys probably at that given time you did lose you know uh, uh, you know people that weren't. It, it's like any time when the market gets a little harder, people yeah. you know kind and we're of, seeing that today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. We're yeah. Seeing that mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Interest rates are are high, considering to you know some groups of people. And sure. you're seeing, you know, the market slow down, yep. less less closed transactions, which is resulting in people in our business exiting, you know, left. Right. And yeah. you got the whole COVID issue. And then COVID. Right. Well, yeah. and then, yeah. And that continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so you guys are both both absolutely amazing leaders. Did did. And this, so this question is kind of for both of you. Did you both always know that you wanted to pursue? I mean, you were in the service. So mm -hmm. did you know you wanted per to pursue leadership? You know, for for me, you know, I don't know that you know that you want to. I think it's 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 kind of in you. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I always think about like, how did I get where I'm, you know, the seat that I'm in? And a lot of times it was because when I went in the room, I provided a, another perspective. I get. I, I spoke up. Sure. Um, I offered suggestions, and I also listened. Right. And that's what and, a good leader does. Mm -hmm. And and so then what you find is that people then say, "Hey, you would be good at this." Right. And uh, and that really has just been my story throughout uh, all my leadership opportunities. Um, over the years, it's just been usually I come into the room and I do attribute a lot of that um, early training to going to a HBCU. 
Um, and I know you went to Lincoln, so mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. you you had a lot of similar training. But mm-hmm. at HBCUs, you know, we're coming in, they, and they're training us about being leaders in the community, right? Sitting in the front of the room, not in the back, you know, and being ever present. And mm-hmm. so that has been my journey, and I think um, you know maybe similar for for many. And you came through the the ranks of, of mm-hmm. what branch of service? Yeah, well, you know, even before that, I remember I was uh, president of student council at uh, ah. in, in elementary school. Oh, my goodness. But I never sought positions. Right. And it's kind of similar. You know, you conduct yourself a certain way people are attracted to. Sure. And then they start recruiting you for different positions and you just kind of move up. But, you know, it's never been a thing where, you know, I'm going to head something. Right. Now, when I was in the Army, the reason I became a lieutenant was because um, I wanted to protect myself by not having so many people telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I was going to Vietnam. That's right. You yeah. know, so I, and some of the guys that I had gone to basic training with were not and wanted to be officers were not officer material. So I decided, <laughs> I said, to protect myself, I'm going to become but again, you know, you just kind of, uh, yeah, you, you, you go into a room, you you kind of present yourself and people are attracted to what you're saying, who you sure. are. And um, it just goes from there. There's no ego involved or anything no. like that. You just want to make things better. Right. So. And that's, you know, I think that's key for most any leader that you talk to. It's you, you just want to make things better. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you just want to improve situations across the board. Right. So that's cool. So what does it mean to you guys to know that that your leadership and your experiences have forged a path for others to follow? Yeah. So, you know, I was before we got started, I I was sharing that it's been 37 years since we've had another minority president. Right. And so um, we we did a double whammy here at ACAR. Yeah, absolutely. Past President Eberhard and now myself. But, um, you know, it 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 shouldn't have had to take that long. Right. But it's where we are. And, you know, and so part of it is, is just um, recognizing that, you know, we are in these seats and it's important for other people to be able to see that they, too, have the opportunity. Um, They have to show up. You know, they have to raise their hands. Um, But being in the seat, I think, allows people to see the opportunity. Right. And to see themselves. Um, there and so that's what's encouraging to me is because I can be um, in 2023 um, what Mr. Pruitt was in 1986, right? I love that, and I think it it really you know it does to the younger generations make a make a huge difference when they're able to see you guys serving in these positions and going, hey, you know what? I can do that someday. I can I can be like them, mm-hmm. and you know I think all. All young, uh, younger people, I should, I should, as a group, you know, they're looking for that. They're looking for that guidance. They're looking for somebody to show them an example of of what they can be and what they can do. And and that's what that's what captured me when Jack Brayman made that statement about me serving as, you know, um, president and 
young black kids being able to see this, sure. this president, that got me. Because, yeah. you know, I've always been community oriented. And so, um, and in addition to that, when I started making my appointments, I, I remember um, a lady named Mary Hudson, very quiet, you know, reserved. And I made her chairman of the education committee. And I sat down with her and I said, Mary, I said, this is your committee. I said, you're the head of the committee. And um, I want you to run this committee as the head, knowing that you are the leader right. in the room. Okay. And she told somebody later, she says, <laughs> Everett made me a leader because she wasn't before. You know, she was just a quiet, reserved person. But she came out of that understanding that she had leadership capabilities. That's right. You brought her out of her shell. Yes. And you saw something in her that had potential to grow. Right. And I love that, that I think that so many people that that does happen to them. They, you know, someone sees something in them that they don't necessarily see in mm -hmm. themselves mm -hmm. and and thinks, you know what, you can you can do that. Right. And believes in them. Just a, a nugget of belief is all it takes. Yes. And, yep. you know, she went on to do great things. Yep. So that's really, you know, it, that's all it is, is someone believing in you and thinking that, you know, you can make a difference. So. Right. So I mentioned in the opener that this episode is actually going to drop uh, during Black History Month. With that in mind, how can we as association and as individual members and individual realtors do more and be more diverse and inclusive and equitable going forward? Well, you know, I, I think community involvement, first of all, you have to be a part of the community and you have to understand the community. You have to cater to the community. You have to be a leader in the community. And, um, uh, and you know, we, we lose a lot by not being diverse sometimes. You know, we lose talent. You know, we lose. Uh, uh, there are a lot of smart people out here that have been uh, that have not been able to be included in places that they should have been that could have provided uh, their talents and, and, and moved organizations forward. So uh, I, I was really gratified to see that we're going to have another black president because uh, it's, 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 it's kind of a beacon you know, that people can follow. And in terms of individuals, um, we're, as opposed to when I was president, I see it be, being more diverse now. Mm -hmm. uh, I see more open-mindedness in, in, in the industry. Um, you know, we, uh, when I was president, the first time the, the realtors ever uh, uh, approved a, a fair housing bill. <laughs> really? Yeah, the first time. Because wow. in the past, it, no matter how or who presented it, it was rejected. So uh, there was some little machination that I had to do. But <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's just about, you know, open mindedness, uh, understanding that diversity is, is a lot better than exclusiveness, um, bringing all the talents to, to bear. Um, and uh, it, it's great for an organization to, to, to embrace that, you know. I agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. Do you, do you, and I guess, you know, for whoever, you know, um, do you feel that, the, do you feel we're improving? I mean, do you think we're on 
the right path as an association? Are we are we improving in what we're doing? Yeah, you know, and I'll jump in on that. So, um, you know, we we have to be intentional, right? I think absolutely, and intentionality today um, is not just with um, whites or majority; it's with minorities as well. Right. Um, it's it, it. I would say it's harder. Um, for minorities to be intentional because a lot of times they're harboring pa- the past, right? Sure. But you can't get past the past unless you're willing to move forward. And so not uh, not all people um, represent what the past is. And and I think being intentional here at ACAR, I, you know, we're, um, I, I wouldn't be doing this if we um, weren't being intentional and focusing on trying to do better. Right. So, and I and I say that because we we are, you know, we we put a, a DEI a work group together last year, um, and and that was a presidential PAG. It moved into a formal committee um, at the end of last year under President Eberhardt, and this year under my presidency, we are tangibly moving the needle and moving things forward and ensuring that we're looking through the lens of DEI. Right. You know, and so, um, you know, it's a heavy load. Right. But if I'm in the room, I'm typically going to ask, well, how does that affect DEI? Right. Um, And that's the lens that I want everybody to to consider. It's not um, just the black person in the room. Correct. It should be all people in the room that mm-hmm. wants to consider that. So if we're making, um, like, for instance, now we're looking at our governance. Um, we're looking at how members um, are um, engaged into leadership. We're looking at barriers that um, uh, create that are there that prevent people from, of all backgrounds, not just you know, black or white, but any group that feels that they can't advance forward is our governance preventing that. Right. And so here, I think at ACAR, we are um, celebrated across the country for our diversity. Um, this year, I think we have the largest diverse board that the, the association has ever had, you know, and it's not just the black or white, you know, no, right. it, and it, it spans um, a myriad of categories. And I think we are being um, the beacon in that space. And we are uh, looked at across the country for for just that. And so I think we're we're moving the needle forward. And it is uh, it's my job as as well as it's all the other majority members job to make sure that we tap other people on the shoulder, um, that we bring people to the table that maybe that that don't look like you, but are willing to bring their voice to the table so that we have a a larger, um, vast um, array of of thought processes, which um, we've already heard at the table. So. That's a great answer. So in that same vein, then, what would advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about a leadership path with the association? Then, Yeah. You know, if you you and, and I said this a little earlier, you got to show up. Right. You you need to. Yep. The, the, the first thing Number is, one, you yeah. know, you can't be on the sidelines. So right. you got to show up. Mm-hmm. Um if you desire to be in leadership, you may not necessarily want to be the president. That's fine. You don't have to be the president, but um, every person in the room has a voice. So you show up first. You find someone in the room that 
you could aspire to be, you know, or connect with, right? You got to go speak with them. You have to share your interests, find common grounds, find common goals. And then I think from there, you can then get a roadmap, get some direction from the person that's already there. And that can direct you with where you may want to go in the future. I think that, you know, basically you're, you know, kind of, the, the start is just to, to do something, mm-hmm. do something, say something, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I love how you said that, because I think, too, that that it does it does mean maybe for some people getting a little bit out of their out of their their norm and their comfort comfort zone and, and you know, attend something, you know, say, you know, go to a meeting and if something's being said and you you have a thought, express your thought. Yeah. You know, say mm-hmm. say what it is you're thinking. Don't you know? Don't be quiet about it. You know. So now we're at my fun questions. These are my these are the fun ones. <laughs> so for both of you, who has been your biggest influence or mentor in your career, and why? Well, mine was my father. Uh, throughout, you know, he was uh, past uh, real estate commissioner. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he that's was, a big job. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the first in a lot of areas, you yes, know, because he great. was kind of a pioneer. Him and uh, Joe Battle, um, I can name quite a few that were kind of at the vanguard during that period of time. And so um, I took my cues from him. I watched how he, you know, um, interacted with people. Uh, how he gave, but also got the respect of all across the board. And so I conducted myself the same way. And, That's um, awesome. and it, it, plus he was, he was a friend, you know, uh, besides being a mentor, he was, we just had, we were in business together for 10 years and never had an argument. Wow. That's amazing for family <laughs> too, right? Cause usually right. they say family business harder. Right? Yeah. And you know, and, and what you do a lot of times is not so much what they say. Sometimes you just watch, you know, and you watch people that you admire, how they interact with other people and, you know, treat everybody the same, yep. not intimidated by anybody, but not lording over anybody either. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. President Hamid. You know, for, so for me, I would say and I've, I've had a lot of mentors over the years, but um, I would I would date it back um, to my great grandmother. So my great grandmother was her own pioneer. So she was uh, the first African-American social worker in, in Cuyahoga County. Um, she graduated from Wilberforce. Um, she then got a master's at Case Western Reserve. Uh, and the lineage through our family, uh, my uncle Argon was um, class of 45 as a Tuskegee Airman. Wow. Um, you know, my great great grandfather taught at Lincoln. Mm. Um, he taught at Florida A&M. And looking at my great grandmother at that time, she was one of the first African-Americans that could purchase in the red line spaces of Shaker Heights. Interesting. And she, you know, I, as a kid, I would I would always it was a two family home and we lived on Milverton and I would go upstairs and just sit with her and listen to 
all the stories that she um, had and told me and she stressed education and how important it was to, um, you know, not allow anyone to um, steer your life and your destiny except yourself. And so she was so instrumental in the early years. I, I remember going to school and the teacher would say something and I would say, well, Honestly, I don't really believe you because my grandmother Margaret said different, you know, and so that was the the type of um, child that I was growing up listening to her. She uh, afforded my mother an opportunity for my brother and I to move to Shanker from East Cleveland. It was um, she she gave her affordable rent for us um, to move there. And it really changed, you know, the landscape of of my life, you know, by being able to go through the Shaker schools. And I would say, you know, she just instilled education and just making sure that you can write your own destiny. There's no barriers in front of you. And so I, I, I lead with that pretty much every day. Love that yeah. story. Oh, my gosh. And what a what a great lesson for people to, you know, you know, make sure it's always, you know, you love to talk, but it's always better to just listen. Yes. Because you never know what you're going to hear and what you can get from somebody else's stories and what they've done. So well, it's also important to to if you can to to, to find a mentor, you know, it's sure. not necessarily going to be in your house. Or in your lineage, it, it, it's but it's it's there's somebody that you admire and respect. A lot of times, all you have to do is go up to them and say, "Look, you know, would could I sit down with you sometimes?" Uh, I've had, I don't know, thousands of people do that with me, you know, and I always say yes, awesome. you know, because I know that you know, in a lot of cases, there are things that they've not been exposed to, uh, questions that could be answered that help them move forward. So yeah, find a mentor. That's good advice, too. And I think that even whether I think that applies to everyone, whether you feel like you're going to be a leader or not a leader. What I think everyone should have someone that they can, you know, look up to and 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 emulate a little bit and say, you know what, I kind of want to be like that person. Mm-hmm. So so I have one final question for both of you. And since, and Akil, you've already answered this question, but you're going to have to do it again today. So, because <laughs> you, you've been on the podcast a couple of times now. Akil's like a frequent flyer here. He's, <laughs> he tends to be, so I, and, I, and I love that when I ask, he says yes. <laughs> so it's always good. Um, so since this is the Home for All podcast and Home for All is kind of our guiding social movement here at ACAR, we always ask our guests, what? does home for all, the words home for all, what does that mean to you personally when you hear that? Well, all inclusive it means that, that everybody should be at the table. Everybody should be able to share uh, in uh, the fruits of this, this great country and, you know, help move it forward. But absolutely. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that uh, home for all means that we are free to live where we um, so want and desire and that uh, there are no barriers um, in play uh, to prevent that. And, you know, we we can live together and celebrate together as one. So love that answer, too. 
So would each of you like to share your contact information for our listeners so they know where they can find you? Mm-hmm. Mr. Pruitt? Uh, Pruitt, P-R-E-W-I-T-T, at epruitt.com. Beautiful. And Akil Hamid is A Hamid at F A S S dash R E S dot com. Awesome. And we'll link both of those in the show notes too for anybody that has other questions or is looking for a mentor potentially. (laughs) Well, I want to thank my amazing guests, former President Pruitt and current President Hamid for taking the time to be here with us on the podcast. It has been an amazing experience. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for downloading, listening, and subscribing to the ACAR Home for All podcast. Be sure to check back with us for our next episode. And I hope until we meet again, that you're finding your very own meaning of home for all.